Well, who's excited about the baptisms here coming up soon? Man, I am so amped. I love when just family and friends, man, if you're visiting today to support someone, thank you for doing that. You know, we, we encourage everyone to say, hey, go out there and make that courageous invitation to that friend, that family member uh, to come on through. And you coming today, I know means the world to them. And so, man, thumbs up to you guys for just supporting uh, these people in your lives and showing them love in the way you have. Um, if you're new to the brook, we want you to see that we're a big family. And, uh, and families, you know, they, they live life together. We have ups together. We get downs together. And, uh, but we, we nonetheless, we love Jesus. And that's what unites us. And so, man, as Jeremy was saying, if you're not connected with the local church, we would love for you to make this your home, honestly. We just love for you to be a part of our church family here. Um, we're all just journeying together. And so none of us has got it all together. Um, all of us are works in progress. And so sometimes that lie is saying, you know, i got to get my life together before I can be part of a church. And that's just a lie from the pit of hell, honestly, because you can't get your life together. Uh, none of us can. We need Jesus to show us the way. And so the starting point is with Jesus and the church. He's not the point you get to after you start it. And so we would love for you to be a part of the church family here. We're all growing together. And honestly, that's what we want to be about as we start this new year. Our series this year in the month of January is called Pray It Up. And we got to pray everything up. We just got to pray and ask God to work among us. And there's going to be three words that are going to guide us. Grow, go, give. All right, can you say those with me? Say grow, go, and give. Today I'm going to talk about growing together. And so when I say let's grow, I want to hear you say together. Can you do that? Let's grow. Let's grow. That's what we want to do. Because really we can't do this on our own. You know, none of us can journey on our own by our own strength. We fall on our face. We struggle. We battle. And yet when we have people with us, we have others who can lift us up. They can give us a hand, pull us, pull us up on our feet. And that's what the body of Christ, that's what the church is all about. We tell people often, the church is not a building. And so for some of you, that's a surprise. You might be surprised you're not at church right now. You are actually with the church because the church is the people. It's the people who follow Jesus so we are going to grow together and talk about that today. And at the end of my sermon is where those who are getting baptized are going to come up and share a snippet of their story. And they're going to show you how they are growing as well and how we're growing together with them. Sound good? Yeah. All right. So we're going to open up our Bibles in the book of Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And uh, as we say every week here at the Brook, there are Bibles in the pews in front of you. There's a blue Bible there. If you don't own a Bible, we'd love for you to keep that one. Just take it with you. It's, it's your Bible. If you don't own one, it's yours. Um, God speaks to us mightily through his word, the Bible, and we want you to know it. We're in Philippians chapter 1. What page is that? 980. 980. Page 980 in the Pew Bible in front of you. I read the passage for us earlier, so I'm going to go over it just briefly again. As we learn to grow together. The book of Philippians was written by a man by the name of Paul. Paul used to hate Jesus and hate Christianity. In fact, he made it his life's ambition to destroy it until he met Jesus. And God just opened his eyes to how much he needed Jesus. And because of that, Paul said, you know what? I'm giving all that I have to follow Jesus. And he sacrificed much. He was beaten. He was whipped for the faith. He was stoned with rocks and bricks for this faith. And at times, he found himself in prison for his faith. 
I mean, that's a high cost, isn't it? And so the book of Philippians, Paul wrote it while sitting in prison. You might be surprised to know much of the New Testament of the Bible was written from a jail cell. People who are paying some of the greatest prices for their faith because they believed it. And I love how he says this. In verse 3 of Philippians chapter 1, there on page 980, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. He's sitting there in his jail cell, reflecting upon these people in the city called Philippi, to which he wrote Philippians. And he's like, I'm just thanking God every time I think about you guys. I love that. And, And he goes on to say, I do so always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. He say joy? joy. Hear this. This man is in jail praying and he has joy. He's got joy in a jail cell because of his faith and because of what he sees God doing in the faith of others. He says this. This is wise joy because of your partnership in the, in the gospel. From the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who had begun a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. He's saying, man, I'm so thankful when I think about you. I'm filled with joy, and I know that the work God has begun in your life, he's going to finish that work because he's God, and he delivers on his promises. And so he's just overjoyed thinking about it, even when his life stinks right now, in a jail cell for his faith. And so I start asking, what... What's he praying for them, though? It's good to say, hey, I'm praying for you, but but what are you praying? You know, as he's in his jail cell, what is he praying for them? And the prayer he gives to them is the prayer that I want to focus on for the the remainder of my message today. And let's drop down in verse 8. See, he says, for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with affection of Christ Jesus. He's saying, I'm here in a cell, and I just long for you guys. I wish I could be with you guys, but I know I'm here because I follow Jesus, but I'm longing for you. And he says in verse 9, and it is my prayer that, so he's going to tell us what he's praying for. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge in all discernment. There are three prayer requests there that we're going to look at. He says, I pray that your love would abound more and more. And so for the first thing, he's praying for ever-increasing love. Now, I'm asking, well, love in what way? Because the word love in our society has got different ideas. We think of love, we think of romantic love. And sometimes we think of love, we think of tacos. <laughs> Any taco lovers out there? Right. And so we got this huge span for, like, romantic, passionate love. We got tacos on the other end. Like, what's Paul talking about? That your love would abound for what, Right? Well, he uses a similar phrase elsewhere in the Bible. He says this. He says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love, similar languages, abound in love for one another. 1 Thessalonians 3.11. See, I believe what Paul is saying is, I want you, this is prayer, I want my prayers that your love for each other would abound more and more. Hear the language. Abound is already extreme, more, and even more above the abounding. He's saying, I want you to be filled to the brim with love for each other. And Brooke family, this is what God wants for us in 2017. 
that our love as a church will be so clear to everyone around us and not let it get blurred between tacos and romantic love, but a kind of real love that's based upon God and his character. You see, this is the amazing thing about the Bible. The Bible says that God is love. See, John says in 1 John 4, Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. And he says, why? Because God is love. So, Brooke family, God has put a call on our lives to love one another. Why? Because when Jesus changes our lives, we come in contact with the God who is love personified. And he's saying, let his love for you pour out in your love for each other. But that takes some intentionality, doesn't it? It's easy to want to be loved, but it's hard to love others. And so I want us to put our love glasses on 2017. To be able to ask God for eyes to see how people need to be loved around us. I know we live life together, and there are times some of us are struggling, and some of us have gotten so good at hiding it. I want you to know you don't need to hide your struggle. And on the other hand, we need to not let people be in a place where they feel like they've got to hide it. We've got to love radically. So that means when you see that, that brother or sister who's struggling financially and needs some groceries, church family, let your love abound. When there's that person in our church family who's just battling depression because life is hard, let's let our love abound. When we see that married couple that's really struggling, trying to find joy in their marriage, you let your love abound toward them. However it would be by watching the kids so they could go on a date, by sitting down with the brother and let them know, hey, I'm in this corner with you, man. For that sister to get that call from another sister to say, hey, you're not alone. Let our love abound when we have teens that are struggling and going astray and we're like, I don't know what to do with them. And you see someone in your church family here who's just battling with their singleness, with their job, with their financial circumstances. Church, let's let our love abound to each other because God is love and God is working in us. You know, we live in a, in a tumultuous time. In three weeks, we get a new president for the first time in eight years. And every time there's a presidential transition, there are dramatic things that take place without, without exception. It's just, it's just the way it is, especially when there's a party transition, especially when a president had been there for eight years. And so we know we live in a very divided nation right now, don't we? I mean, it's divided right down the middle. What will the church do under our next president, Donald Trump's presidency? Are we going to fuel flames of fire and division? Or are we going to be radical in our love for each other and for those around us? You see, so many times what happens on social media is not loving. And we're just picking fights sometimes. You see, God wants us to let our love abound to each other and so that our society sees us and says, man, that church knows how to love. You know, love is an apologetic. And the word apologetic means it's a defense. The way we love, church, is a defense for the gospel, the good news that we proclaim. Jesus said, they will know you are my followers by your love. 
And so when we as a church are loving each other, loving the world around us, people are going to be looking in and saying, what's with that love right there? There's something unique about the way that they love each other. They're, they're taking care of each other. They're holding their tongues. They're saying, I'm sorry when they fail each other. They're saying, I forgive you when they've been failed. So that's letting love abound. Letting love abound through your message. Letting love abound in your prayers for each other. Do the names of the people here in church cross your lips when you pray? Are there specific names? People say, oh, Lord, you just brought this, this brother to my mind. I pray for him. This sister, this child, this youth, this teen. That's how we let our love abound. And here Paul's sitting in a jail cell. He's like, I wish I could be with you guys. I'm here locked up for the gospel, for my faith in Jesus. But from afar, I'm praying that your love would overflow more and more. Well, he has a second request. It's for knowledge. He says, let your love may abound more and more with knowledge. So he's praying, secondly, for ever-increasing knowledge. The word knowledge is not so much a book kind of knowledge, but it's a knowledge that also comes through experience. And elsewhere, he uses a similar phrase saying, hey, I want your knowledge of God to increase. And so church family, as we start 2017, I want you to set goals of saying, I want to know my God better. I just want to pursue him. I want to get on my knees and pray to God. I want to get in his word to study, to know his character. I want to know my God, not just from a book kind of knowledge, but then I want that knowledge to be able to show in my faith, in the, the courage, the courageous way I live. Paul said, I want that for you guys. And we look at this and say, man, that's what we want for each other, to pursue God in 2017. I'm starting this new year. I'm going to read the book of Acts in January. Maybe you might want to join me in that endeavor. My personal time, I'm reading the book of Acts. That's where we see the church grow and expand and see the Holy Spirit working. We see the different apostles doing great works for God. We see the good news spreading throughout Europe. It's the book of Acts. Maybe you join me in that because I want to know God better, and I want that to spur my life on so I can walk with him. I want my knowledge to abound more and more as well as my love. Paul says he's praying for ever-increasing love. He's praying for ever-increasing knowledge. And then he says, I'm praying for all discernment. The word discernment is having insight into something. And oftentimes he prays for discernment into God's will for our lives. And I believe that's what he's saying here. And so we need to be praying for each other for ever-increasing understanding in what God wants us to do with my life. You ever just sit down and say, God, what do you want me to do with my life? You ever done that before? You ever say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for direction here. I don't know where to go. I thought it was one way, but I feel like now I'm going another. What Paul's saying here in the scriptures, as we come to know God, as we love, we can begin to better discern God. You see, we, we can't say, God, I want to know your will, but I don't want to know you. No, knowing God allows you to know his will in your life. And so that's why the Bible is so crucial in our own growth. Remember I said, let us, let's grow together. So let's grow. Let's grow and that's how we do it. Living life together, love that's abounding, knowledge that's increasing for God, and discerning his will for our lives. We want to grow together. Jeremy mentioned in a few weeks we're going to be starting up our real community groups 
again. We've paused over the holiday season just to get, give us a break. We have different rhythms of life. But we're going to get back into the speed of things uh, the week of January 16. And uh, I, I want us to all commit to that. You know, we, we sat down and counted those who are connected to a real community. And we're up around 80, 80 of you guys who are involved in our five RCs. You realize that? That's a tremendous praise. We want to keep increasing those groups so we can start new groups in other neighborhoods beyond the five we're at already. That's how we grow together. Well, Paul ends here with his last statement. He says, My prayer in verse 9, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I love that. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus. This is what I think he's saying. When when someone declares that they are a follower of Jesus, which means they believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and rose from the dead, and they have given their lives to him, they've surrendered their lives to follow Jesus, the Bible says that we then have the righteousness of Jesus. That's what Paul says here. Righteousness, that means Jesus' perfection is declared to us. It's covering us. Not that you become perfect or I become perfect, but Jesus who is perfect clothes us in his perfection. And so Paul thing here is like, I want you now to have the fruit of that righteousness lived out in your life. So your position before God is one who is forgiven and holy and righteous because of Jesus. Amen. It's amazing. And Paul's saying, But now I want you to live in light of that identity. This is who you are by position, but I want you to live out that role now. And you won't be perfect. You're going to fall. You're going to fail. But I want you to be filled with that as you love one another, as you increase in the knowledge of God and discern his will for your life. In a moment, I'm going to have those who are getting baptized come on up. You need to know something before I have them come up. Not one of them has got their life together. Not one. No one at the brook has their life together. (laughs) But one thing is true for each who are coming up here is they have been clothed with Jesus' righteousness. And so when their heavenly father sees them, he says, that's my son. That's my daughter because Jesus died for them. And they're going to come up here not as those who got it all together, who are perfect. They're coming up saying, hey, I've, I've followed Jesus. I am forgiven, but he's going to keep guiding me. And that's the declaration everyone who is a follower of Jesus makes. So as they come up here, don't think, oh, I've seen that person. They said da 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 You know what? Join the club. We, we all see it from one another. But we say, hey, I know when I turn to God, say, God, I'm sorry. I fail you. And he forgives me because I'm his son. I'm his daughter. And that's a world of difference. So as you hear them share their story here, some of you are going to say, man, I, I've never really given my life to Jesus. I've heard this before. I've, I've heard this spiel before. But it hasn't made a difference in my life. And one of the reasons why they invited you today is they wanted you to see what God has done for them. And you know what? You might have come for one person, but the story of another person is going to trigger something in your thoughts. We want you to not leave this place not knowing this God that we're talking about. You're going to see, like, man, that's my story in that that woman. That's my story in that guy. 
And we want you to know that Jesus redeemed them from the pit and gave them a new life. The very same thing he wants to do for you today if you will surrender your life to him. And man, that's what we want. That's what we're praying for. So with that being said, man, with the seven of you who are getting baptized today, would you come up on stage and join me, please? Come on up. You need to hear something. I, I get a, yes, come over, yeah. When I teach the baptism class, and those of us who are in the class, even the leaders at the brook who are in the class, we're, we're pretty spoiled because we get the longer version of what you're about to hear today. And the longer version is always dynamite. Um, they all have different walks of life, different stories, and they'll tell you that. <clears throat> but one thing that's so cool is the common thread is this. They realize that they needed Jesus to forgive them. And they put their trust in him. And so no matter what walk of life you're in, I pray that you hear your story in one of their stories. And so we have Alina, we have Adam, we have Luana, Azrael, Peter, Jane, and Yoshika. Each were getting baptized today. And uh, they're each going to share their story in a smaller portion. And I encourage you, if they say something that triggers a thought in your ear, go up to them and say, hey, can I hear more of your story? Can I hear a little bit more? Because I know they'll be eager and excited to tell you. Probably a little more eager than they are to stand on the stage and tell you. So <laughs> the, ner- the nerves are flowing. But with that being said, Alina, would you get us started and share with us what God has done in your life, please, sister? I should have started at the other end. <laughs> standing, standing closest to me. Um, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. Um, my family's a church family. Um, and no matter... What I knew, um, I kept fighting. I kept fighting God. I kept fighting a lot of things. Uh, growing up is hard. Being an adult is even harder. Um, I struggled with depression. I struggled with anger. I struggled with um, abusive relationships. Um, and at one point, uh, my doctor once told me that it sounded like I was developing schizophrenia. Um, And it was hard. It affected my home. It affected my daughter. And there was one point where I just couldn't do it anymore. I was, I felt alone. I felt scared. And I I was broken. Um, And I decided to fall, to fall on my knees and just trust God would catch me. And he did. I fell and screamed out and cried out. And it's still an uphill battle. But I know where to look in the storm. Um, and Ephesians 6.19 gives me comfort. I had to write it on my hand. <laughs> um, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I declare these truths. I am loved, no matter what anybody says. Um, right. I am forgiven, no matter what anybody says. And I am redeemed for the sacrifice that was given to me. All right, everyone get comfortable. It's only going to take about an hour. 
Okay, I couldn't uh, commit this to memory, so I'm going to read my testimony. My life with God's blessing began spiritually influenced. I was baptized Catholic, but my family converted to the Protestant faith when I was young. Growing up in a Christian household, my parents would pray with my siblings and I. They would read Bible, Bible stories to us and encourage us to put our faith in God through Jesus Christ. My parents planted the seeds of God's truth and salvation in me. As a child, my family and I attended church, but as I grew older, I drifted from the faith and became more concerned with the worldly desires um, than God's desires for me. As an adolescent, I believed that Jesus was the truth and the only salvation uh, with God, but I didn't have real faith in my beliefs. At that time, I was more influenced by what my friends thought of me. Having a good time out with my buddies and picking up females with my weirdo dance moves were my only concerns. Those moves never worked. As a college student, I began to think more deeply and consider my spirituality and what the meaning of life truly was. I thought about the absolutes of morality and the pluralistic world that we live while weighing the religious beliefs of my friends. It was at this time I began to reaffirm my belief in salvation through Jesus Christ as the truth. I decided that ultimately faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus was the only way to God, and the worldly desires of my friends fell short of this. God saw this growth in faith, and while university introduced me to a Christian leader of a local church, I then began, to go, I then began going to church again as my faith continued to grow. Spiritually, I was closer to the Lord than ever and considered myself a true Christian. Although, as I graduated college, got married, and began to work, I strayed from the church and living out the faith, feeling an emptiness every Sunday that passed when I wasn't worshiping or in fellowship. It wasn't until I became connected at the brook that I truly committed myself to God's, God's church. With the encouragement of the church family, I began, to, I began to pour into my wife and pray for her salvation. God was faithful and answered my prayers. My wife and I now have put our faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have been coming to the brook for a year and a half as God has blessed our relationship and we continue to develop as Christians. My trust in the Lord has brought my wife and I great opportunities and peace in knowing the truth of life. Jesus died for my sins so that I may have salvation with God in heaven. And this is where I put my faith today. Thank you. Sorry, I'm going to read too. Um, growing up, my mother told me the only way to find success and happiness seems to believe in yourself. I only care about having fun in the moment and making money and thought that was the meaning of life. I didn't believe in love because I saw so many failed marriages when I was growing up. I believed love was only a fairy tale and decided I wouldn't get married. Uh, I decided to be independent and successful in my career. After I started college, I met a group of um, college missionaries from the U.S. who visit my school in Japan. I became interested in the U.S. and after we became friends, and they encouraged me to um, believe in Jesus. Although at that time, I didn't fully believe that Jesus is my Savior and that he loves me, I didn't think it was possible to 
to be loved by someone whom I only knew by name. God's words. Um, I'm sorry. Um, so after uh, three years later, I uh, moved to the U.S. and married my husband, who is a Christian, and he encouraged me to get to know the Lord through His Word in Bible. I started to read the Bible and attend churches, but um, church, sorry. <laughs> but I didn't you really understand and believe in God's salvation through Jesus. I continued to just believe in myself. My husband uh, joined the National Guard in 2015 and went to training for eight months. During that time, I was alone and felt like didn't have anyone to count on just by myself. I felt really stressed and sometimes I had panic attack. <laughs> and um, I was looking for help and then I decided to um, go through the Bible to look for answers and realized that um, you cannot only put my <clears throat> and realized that um, I lost it. That you cannot only depend on money and yourself for happiness. I decided I would put my faith in Jesus and understand, understood that He died for my sins, so I could be with God in heaven. My um, newfound newfound relationship with Jesus helped me get through the tough time when I was alone. After my husband finished training, we decided we would go to church together as much as possible to grow in our faith. We both grow, we, we both been, hmm? we both have been going to the brook for about a year and a half and God has changed our lives. The salvation I have in Jesus has given me more happiness and self-confidence where money could ever have. I now truly believe that Jesus died to save me from my sins and get me a new life with God. Amen. Okay, so I'm really nervous. Sorry. My life before Christ was... I was in a dark, cold, depressing, angry, and sinful place. I felt constantly lost. It was the lowest point of my life, a place that I would never want to revisit. I was always scared and constantly living in fear. Before Christ, my life had no meaning, no purpose, and no bright road to a future. I was once surrounded by a dark soul. When I began to believe and change my ways, and things became clear, Without Jesus, I am nothing. I began to listen, and because I listened, I was able to focus. 
when I focused my attention to my family and for the love of Jesus, my life changed. I found the light, warmth, love, peace, and happiness. I am no longer living in fear or afraid. Because I have Jesus by my side, I am all that I can be and more. Jesus has blessed me with a loving family, successful career, and a warm home. Without the love and faith of Jesus and my family, I would not be where I am today. I am no longer surrounded by a dark soul. I believe Jesus died for my sins. So today I pick up my cross and deny myself daily to follow Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this is not the longer version that Eric said, but... It's, it's very simple. Well, God bless everybody and uh, Happy New Year. Well, this is a very important day in, of my life, and I wanted to thank everybody who came, especially my grandpa. I am very thankful that I was born in a Christian family and was raised up as one. Even though I never drank alcohol or took drugs or did anything, like, really bad, I still needed Jesus in my life. I decided to be baptized so that I can show the world who is my Lord and Savior. Well, hello, Brooke family. Um, this is kind of like a snippet and a half, so bear with me. Uh, I grew up in a, a Catholic home, and I went to a Catholic grade school and a Catholic high school. And I nearly attended school every single day, but to me, I felt as if God was absent. And so at the end of grade school and the beginning of high school, I labeled myself as an atheist. I didn't see any need for God, and I just believed that this materialistic, physical universe was all there was, and nothing beyond it. And I honestly believed that religion was some sort of brainwashing tool, so I would mock anybody that said they believed in God. Now, throughout high school, I lived my life, as Frederick Nietzsche would say, God is dead. God was not in my universe. And as an atheist, I only cared about what I was doing and what was in my life. And soon I started drinking throughout high school, doing drugs every single day, and just living a broken life. And so after high school, I moved to Rockford for college, and after I graduated, I moved back to the city. And my life changed forever. My drug addiction got worse, abusing all types of drugs, and hanging around the wrong type of crowd that would only influence living a life full of wickedness. Then in December of 2014, someone showed me a video on meditation. And I knew at that point I believed in the spiritual supernatural world. I was caught in it. I loved it. And it started this path of seeking answers to life's questions about reality. I was on a path of seeking truth. So at that point, I labeled myself as a New Age spiritualist or a pantheist. And I started to say that I believed in God, but a God that I created in my own mind, a God that revolved around me, and I bought into the age-old lie that I could become a God. So I was still seeking answers to life's basic questions about our origin our meaning in life, our purpose in life, what are we here for, 
and our destiny. Where are we going? And everything I kept studying kept hitting a dead end, and that did not work for me. I wanted truth. A couple of months later, I watched a video on someone presenting something from the book of Genesis, and a light bulb went off in my mind. I felt as if the path I was on was coming to an end, and I needed to be exactly where I was. I felt goosebumps raised all over my body. And I found the one true God that I was looking for, the God of the Bible. Um, that's exactly where I was. I, I found what I was looking for, and that was the Bible. And more than that, the God of the Bible, the one true God, the God that I did not create in my own mind. So with all this seeking of answers and living a wicked life, I began to see my life going downhill for destruction. And I knew if I stayed on the same path, my life would end in chaos. Then in April of 2015, I was in my apartment, in my room alone, and I saw my heart for what it was, evil and wicked. I fell down to my knees, and I cried my life out, and I prayed to the God of the Bible. And I said, God, I cannot live the life I'm living. Please take over. And I asked for forgiveness for all that I'd done and all the wrong I've ever done in my life. And I emptied out to heart, my heart out to God for help. Now, after that, I felt like I was at peace. Like my heart was calm. Something happened to me, and I didn't know what it was. But at that point, I still didn't understand the gospel, but I was deeply interested in the God of the Bible. Then God showed me something amazing and beautiful. He showed me what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And the cross became reality. I started remembering, watching movies from the Passion of the Christ and seeing what Jesus went through to all the stories of the Bible being told in school. Everything was coming to me all at once. The moment I gave my life to God in that bedroom, what happened to me was the fact that I was forgiven. I was forgiven for all my rebellion, all my lies, all my cheating, all my lust, and all my greed. I needed to be rescued for myself. I needed a savior, and God provided. That's right. What happened in that room was the fact that I was declared righteous and given eternal life. Not by any works that I have done, but by what Jesus Christ has done. Jesus died on the cross and took the death that I deserve and gave me a new life. I would not be here today to share my testimony with you if Jesus did not die on the cross. That's why I know what I believe is truth. Right. Nietzsche got it wrong. God is not dead. God is alive. Yeah. I went from unbelief and hate to belief and faith and love. I went from a path to a journey. I went from meditating on empty thoughts to meditating on the word of God. I went from a mocker of the faith to a believer and being mocked. I went from living in darkness to living in light. I went from death to life. Please hear me. If there's anybody in this room that does not know Jesus or is still seeking, please know that if Christ could do this for me, he could do this for you. And it is my prayer that you would declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior, repent of your sins, trust in him, and surrender your life to him. Thank you. Hello. Um, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 17 through 20, Truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and nothing will be impossible. It's amazing to think of the size of a mustard seed and how it grows into a large tree. And so it is with my faith. It started out small and is growing bigger and bigger every day. I've been searching for God ever since I can remember. And I've been through a lot of different religions. All of them left me feeling empty. 
But when my granddaughter, Ariana, invited me to the brook, I started attending regularly, and my mustard seed faith started blossoming. Now I have a new lease on life. I'm a new disciple of Jesus and ready to be baptized as such. Since I've given my life to Jesus only about two months ago, my life has been going the right way. I prayed to be saved, and I am. I've prayed to get the job I wanted, and I have. I've prayed that my children would soon come to Jesus also. And although it's a start, some of them are here today. And I will also continue to pray for them. God also has made me more peaceful, more humble, less sinful, but most of all, more repentive of my sins. Sometimes it seems easier to hold on to sin and being a sinner than it is to be held accountable for your sins as a Christian. It's a lot of hard work to walk in God's path. Jesus gave his life for me, and so I'm giving him my life and learning to let go and let God take over my life, and it's very comforting. Thank you. Amen. Wow. Isn't that remarkable? Yeah, praise God. Let's put our hands together for our God who did this. Praise the Lord. Amen. My goodness. Again, this is a snapshot of what God could do. And uh, as each of them have said, uh, either directly or indirectly, man, if you, if you have not put your faith in Jesus, he can and will change your life. Uh, doesn't mean life's always going to be easy. That's an empty promise. But we serve a God who's good, even when life is hard. Just as Paul sat in a prison saying, I'm filled with joy today. And so we serve a God who is real and active and moving among us. And that's why we call ourselves a church family. God is our father. He adopts us into his family as he has adopted the seven of them. And uh, we would love for you to be a part of God's family as well. I want to pray for you guys. And what we're going to do is we're going to step out into the side room here. And the baptistry is right there in this window. And we'll have it uh, videos here on the screen for you guys to see as well. As they're getting baptized, we're going to sing it out. We're going to watch the good news displayed through their lives, and, and we're going to see, we're going to declare God's goodness. This is what baptism means. Baptism is, at the brook, what we believe, what the Bible teaches, is that we bring, we put people under the water, and we tell people in the baptism class, don't be afraid because we've never kept anyone there. The reason is going underwater signifies their, their death, the, the death to the old them, the who they used to be. It is buried But we don't keep them there because they put their faith in Jesus and he's given them a new life and we bring them out. And so getting baptized doesn't save them. You heard that from each of them. They've said they've already trusted in Jesus. They're already forgiven. They're already a part of God's family. But baptism is telling you that that's happened to them. They're telling the world, they're saying, hey, I'm drawing a line in the sand. This is where I'm at. And so we are thrilled to celebrate this declaration with you guys. If you're part of the church family, you're a follower of Jesus, um, would you extend your hand in, 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 a, in a way of affirmation to, toward these brothers and sisters, and let's pray together. Father in heaven, we bless your name. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done in Adam and Yoshika's life, in Alina's life, in Luana's life, in Azrael's and Peter's and Jane's. Father, these are miracles, God. God, we often look for miracles in life, and sometimes we, we forget to see the greatest of miracles when you take a dead person and make them live. 
And so, Lord, you've done that for each of them. And so, Lord, I pray that today, as they make a public proclamation of what they believe, Lord, I pray that their faith will be continued, uh, continually strengthened spiritually through this act of faith, and that those here today will be encouraged, those who know you, would you remind them, Lord, of their declaration to love you and to live for you? And for others who here don't know you, God, I pray, Lord, that you would stir something as only you can do in their lives. Lord, we give you all the glory, we declare your praises, and we say that you are good. We love you, and I pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Worship team, would you guys come on up? And with the rest of us, let's rise to our feet as uh, we head out to the back, and those who are doing the baptisms, come on forward as we start singing praises to God. So let's rise to our feet, church family. Today is a day of celebration, folks, and uh, so this first song, we're going to sing our hearts out, as Pastor Eric said. It is a happy day today. Uh, You've heard uh, their testimonies, how God worked in their lives, and our prayer is just that that God has spoken to you in your hearts uh, through this testimony, through these testimonies, so let's sing. (laughs) 